0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of Podcast 360, your go-to resource for medical education and clinical updates. I'm your moderator, Jessica Bard, with Consultant 360, a multidisciplinary medical information network. Dr. Nurmis Shah is here to speak with us today about his team's research presented at ASH 2023 titled Preclinical and Clinical Use of ab one a DNMT1 protein depleter to upregulate fetal hemoglobin in town sickle cell disease mice and patients with sickle cell disease. Dr. Shaw is the director of the Sickle Cell Transition Program and the director of clinical research in benign hematology at Duke University School of Medicine in Durham, North Carolina. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Shaw. Please provide us with an overview of this research. Yeah, so this is a, a lot of exciting work that's recently been been undertaken by both myself and Dr. Betty Pace, who leads a lab in Augusta University. So the overall goal here is this understanding that within sickle cell disease, uh, the the issue really comes down at its root cause to to the sickling itself, that the sickle cells go through the sickling process, that causes all these downstream issues, it causes hemolysis and destruction, it causes vasoclusion and, and adhesion issues. So if we could get to the root cause, which is the sickling, then, and, and try to stop that sickling, then, then we, would, we would hopefully have a, a lot of uh, potential benefit from that. And we actually have historical evidence that that actually can occur by, by using and leveraging fetal hemoglobin. So fetal hemoglobin is baby blood, and if we could upregulate fetal hemoglobin through a medication in this study, AB1, that, then we could uh, potentially have a therapeutic option. So that the overview really is, is to see if AB1, and, and AB1 is a DNMT, a DNA methyltransferase 1 uh, protein depleter, which then upregulates and, and increases fetal hemoglobin. And we tried this in a study within towns, uh, mouse uh, mice, which which uh, is a good uh, example and um, uh, a, a basis for the, the the sickle cell drugs that we try, and then we also tried this in in as a proof of concept in sickle cell patients. And what were the results of this study? So I'll, I'll kind of separate the results since we we did um, uh, focus on both the towns mouse model and then patients. And so I'll start with the, the towns mouse model. Um, but, you know, very quickly, you know, we had uh, a couple cohorts of mice that we looked at, uh, and, and we treated them either with uh, with placebo, uh, or which was water. We either otherwise had a treatment arm with hydroxyurea alone, uh, and, and then finally we had a treatment arm with AB1, uh, and, and this also included uh, uh, an arm which AB1 uh, was dose escalated. The treatments were all for about six weeks. The, the really the, the kind of crux here is, is that the results that we're looking at were uh, uh, in a di- couple different ways. One is uh, at, on a lab level, did we have upregulation of, of fetal hemoglobin? And, and um, we did this by looking at uh, gamma globulin levels. Uh, then, then we also uh, also looked at uh, fetal hemoglobin itself and F-cells. And finally, we looked uh, at organs, in, in particular, the spleen, uh, and, and we looked to see if the spleen, there's any difference in the spleen at, at the conclusion. So on those three, those three levels that, that we did find an increase uh, at, at six weeks, which was the total treatment time, we did find an increase in gamma globulin and F cells uh, across uh, all the treatment arms, including uh, hydroxyurea with AB1, as well as AB alone, AB1 alone, uh, we did also, in, interestingly, look at um, the, the smear of uh, uh, the sickle cells uh, after they've been put under hypoxic conditions, and you, again, see this protective effect of the, of the sickle cells not sickling as much uh, when, when put under hypoxic conditions, and that ultimately led to the spleen, which we look at the spleen as also another, another method of seeing potential protective effects on the organs the spleen and, and those that were treated in like a control arm were, were very, was very large. There was actually a lot of uh, ischemia and uh, um, damage to the spleen. So it was actually quite large. But, but for those that were on treatment with hydroxyurea uh, or, or AB1 or both, we actually found areas uh, that the, first off the spleen was small and then we found areas that uh, there was uh, erythroid hyperplasia. We actually saw areas where, where the spleen itself was actually trying to make blood, which is very protective. And then moving on to the, the clinical side, which is, again, the, the exciting part is that the mouse model showed a signal. It showed that we did have upregulation of fetal hemoglobin. Uh, so we now take that, that leverage to then try this in, in patients with sickle cell. And so we, we, we designed a phase one, two dose escalating study where we actually took low dose AB1 at, at levels that, that we would not necessarily expect to have any clinical benefit, but really wanted to just monitor safety uh, and pharmacokinetics, pharmacodynamics. Uh, and we started two and four and moved our way. Our max dose is ultimately going to be 32. Um, But but the results here in in this portion, the clinical portion, is that we've enrolled six patients, uh, two in the two milligram, two patients in the four milligrams, and have enrolled two in the eight milligrams, although one one has come off study. Um, And and so the results show that from a pharmacokinetic, pharmacodynamic level, um, by the eight milligram, we're we're starting to see a little bit of movement, and and, uh, we, we see fast absorption uh, within all, all of the different uh, cohorts, uh, so we're optimistic that we'll see more of the same as we get to higher doses, and, and ultimately, the biggest result to kind of um, highlight here is that at two and four milligrams, we're actually starting to see an increase in the fetal hemoglobin, and we weren't expecting that at all. We, we actually thought that this was a very low dose, uh, so we're, we don't have the, the F cell. Uh, or fetal hemoglobin values for eight milligrams yet because one patient came off for for a, a infection a colitis that was deemed not not due to the drug was the patient was actually off the drug for seven days before that developed uh, it has not restarted so we're still enrolling in the eight milligram cohort uh, so we're, we're just really excited to see where where this goes from here and why would you say this topic is important to study as I kind of started here the, the reason this is important to study is that fetal hemoglobin has is, is been shown in many different ways to be very protective for sickle cell, so much so that, that actually one of the gene therapies, which is, of course, a hot topic in sickle cell disease, which is just approved for sickle cell uh, uh, now uh, just a week ago, um, one of the treatments with gene therapy is actually, up, is actually um, causing an edit to the gene to upregulate fetal hemoglobin And so we know that fetal hemoglobin uh, in a natural history way, in a a gene therapy way, uh, can be protective to patients with sickle cell. So in this effort uh, to try to use an oral agent to try to upregulate fetal hemoglobin, it really seems like a viable and very uh, hopeful uh, option for patients uh, with sickle cell to, to have a protective option. And what would you say is next for research on this topic? So now, now, I think the next step is probably twofold. One is, um, what, how far can I push fetal hemoglobin? Can can I get fetal hemoglobin to a to a value that is as as protective as what gene therapy seems to be indicating so far? Um, and and so really trying to see to what degree I can do this in a, in a safe and effective way. The second thing to consider is, and as a next step, is if I'm not able to to really hit the home run and and make it so that I completely making patients asymptomatic, but getting near to that, how do I integrate this therapy with other therapies, which are also beneficial? We now have many therapies which are beneficial to sickle cell. And so can I combine these therapies with hydroxyurea, with these other other therapies, with different mechanisms of action, that all then encompass a good multi-drug therapy to help our patients? What would you say are the overall take-home messages from your presentation? Yeah, I think I think the take home is is that we, we can be optimistic that uh, fetal hemoglobin in general is is a, is a good option uh, for patients and and from the results that we're presenting we don't see any safety concerns so far we were already starting to see a signal where we have an increase in fetal hemoglobin uh, despite us having a very low dose so you know I, I I'm actually uh, quite optimistic to see what the next several cohorts show us because I think very soon will actually be in the dose ranges that we actually would expect the difference. And it'd be nice to see what, what kind of fetal hemoglobin responses we get. Is there anything else that you'd like to add that you think that we missed? I would encourage uh, researchers that are looking at novel therapies such as fetal hemoglobin and, and other mechanism of action to consider how does this fit into the opportunities that we now have for patients? We actually used to just have hydroxyurea. And I think that I, I'm talking to patients all the time about you know when you have a very complicated disease, like you have diabetes that's not controlled, congestive heart failure that's not controlled. We use more than one drug. We that's we, actually the expectation to use more than one drug. And we haven't really had a lot of studies to do that within sickle cell yet. We're all working on therapies that in, in one way or another showing that one therapy is good. Um, most are really showing it with hydroxyurea, which is great. But now we have all these other mechanisms of action. It would be great to think ahead and see how we can do these studies to show that that all of these drugs can be complementary. Dr. Shaw, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Of course. Absolutely. Thanks again for having me.